Hello, I am Philip Kennedy. Thank you for downloading this podcast of the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. We hope you enjoy listening to this. For more information about our programs, please visit www.nyuad.nyu.edu slash institute. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute, to the Conference Center. My name is Philip Kennedy. I'm the uh, Vice Provost for the Institute's Public Programming, and I'm sure some of you in the audience know that because I, I know that many of you come to our events regularly, which is a, a great thing, and I hope people who are new to this forum will come and feel, will feel free to come and attend all our events through this year and through the years, indeed. T tonight, I'm delighted to, uh, that the Institute is partnering with UNHCR to screen a film, Salam Neighbor, and then also to hold a discussion with the director's producer, uh, which will be moderated at this end through, by Skype. So we'll have to hold our breath and hope that works, but let's say it will work. <laughs> so Salam Neighbor, uh, as I'm sure you're your familiar is an award-winning feature documentary and, can, and a campaign to connect the world to refugees. The film documents the experiences of, of American filmmakers, Zach Ingrashi and Chris Temple, when they lived among 85,000 Syrians, Syrians in Jordan's Zaatari refugee camp, which lies seven miles from the Syrian border. The filmmakers, who were the first allowed by the UN to register and set up a tent inside a refugee camp, spent a month in Zaatari to cover what the UN Refugee Agency calls the world's most pressing humanitarian crisis. Both Zach and Chris, as I had mentioned before, will be joining us on Skype to answer your questions after the film. And now, I reiterate my welcome to you, but now I'm very pleased to hand over to Toby uh, Howard to give remarks on behalf of you in HCR. Toby is the, uh, the head of office in Abu Dhabi. Thank you, Dr. Ken Kennedy, for that introduction, and uh, I want to thank everybody here for coming here this evening. Uh, UNHCR has done a number of collaborations uh, with NYU Abu Dhabi in recent in recent months, and uh, indeed one of our, our key uh, roles here in the United Arab Emirates is to engage with academic institutions, with think 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 tanks, and others uh, to get a vibrant debate and this, this discussion going on uh, about the status of refugees in this day and age that we live in here. As you know, we are facing an unprecedented crisis globally with more than 65 million people displaced around the world today. When you add the about 240 million migrants who are traveling around the, around the world seeking better economic opportunities, you're seeing huge, huge numbers of people on the move, uh, moving to different countries, seeking a better life. Some of them uh, escaping con conflict. Some of them, as I said, seeking better economic opportunities. And really, the whole issue of movement of people has become a global megatrend of our time. Us in UNHCR, we are concerned specifically with forced displacement, those people who are forced out of their homes as a result of conflict, uh, or natural disaster. And as I, as I have said, we are, we are dealing with fundamentally uh, alarming new figures. 
Now, I've not seen this film yet, so I'm going to sit, uh, sit back uh, like you for the first time and see it. But one of the key things that I looked at just as I read the, the brief uh, on the front was the sub subtitle saying, Escaping the War was only the beginning of their story. And that, I think, is a fundamental issue in that many people see around the world people who flee conflicts. Once they've escaped from the country to a neighboring country, then they're safe. And you see TV cameras going in and seeing UNHCR and other UN agencies and other partners setting up a refugee camp, putting in shelter, putting in water, putting in food. And then after a while, the TV cameras go, they move to the next, the next story. But the refugees stay there. And they're entering into this, what I think Queen Rania of Jordan described as a sort of state of suspended animation, where people are now in, in exile for decades. The Syrians have been in exile for nearly six years. But the Somalis have been in exile for 25 years since their civil war began in 1991. The Afghans have been in exile since the late 1970s. The Colombians have been in exile since the 60s. We hope that the recent peace agreement uh, will bring uh, an end to that conflict. And IDPs, the mass number, 7 million IDPs, will be able to go back home. And of course, Palestinians have been in exile since the 1940s. So these protracted lengths of conflicts are, an entire, are forcing UNHCR and indeed all UN agencies to think differently and the international community about how to deal with the issue of forced dis displacement. And it'll be interesting, as I said, we'll look, for, look to see this movie now and then we look forward to having a question and answer session with the directors and the producers uh, after the film. So thank you very much and enjoy the film. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was quite a heavy film, I can imagine. Would any of you like to share maybe what was most impactful for them while watching the film? I know for me, Rauf's story, it really shattered me. It really, really shattered me. The fact that he was too scared to go to school really impacted me. How about everyone else? What about you, Toby? You said this was the first time you watched the film. Refugee camps. And obviously, the refugee camp in Zatari has become more developed there are, what, 85,000 people there living in the camp. As I think the film said, it is now the second largest urban con conglomeration in Jordan. The more people live in uh, the Jordanian, live in Zaatari camp than anywhere else. It, it really has, as the, as, as the film showed, it has become a, a developed place. But one of the extraordinary things, and I think you saw that to an extent, is the uh, resilience of the refugees, uh, and are making the best of their lives. And indeed, you saw the end of the second peace talk, second level of peace talks in Geneva. During, during the film, we've, we're now on to about the third or the fourth, with right now very, very little hope of any speedy resolution to the conflict. Do you have any questions, uh, any questions you'd like to ask us, you'd like to ask UNHCR, while we try to get through to Skype? Uh, hello, um, I'm Hui from Arena. First, I want to say it's really great film, and I was really touched by the hope that the women they carried on, how they create the small things out of like a really difficult situation. So it was really touched, and it was really uh, the first time to see some reality like this, which we could never know about it. And uh, I have actually a question: Is that is there any renewable energy like off-grid could be running in these camps or could they really help them? How could they solve this problem and how, if there any like already case or any 
possible help for them if they could arrange something like this? Yeah, so thank you for that question. It's a very, very valid question. We actually have started quite a few renewable energy projects, largely focusing on solar energy across Zateri and also across some of our other camps. But the need is still much larger than what we are capable of doing. So to answer your question very simply, yes, we have already started. There are other projects. Bio, biogas projects is one that we've been we've discussed with your organization, with, uh, with ARENA before. And in fact, I was with the High Commissioner a couple of weeks ago and we met with the direct Director General. One of the, as we move forward, there was a refugee summit or in New, New York in September looking at how to deal with the future mass movements of both refugees. Hey, can you guys hear us? On the big screen. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have Chris and Zach, the wonderful minds behind this documentary. Great, so who would like to pose a question to Zach and Chris? So, the story is awesome. Uh, Raoul's story is wonderful, awesome. You guys have, um, did a great job. The movie is wonderful. Uh, but um, how come... You didn't talk about human trafficking. That's serious problems going on Zatari. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of problems, but we just, uh, you were talking about people who lost their families, lost uh, kids or whatever, but there's more deep problems going on there um, beside what you're talking about. Yeah. No, and it, that's a great question. And, you know, there were so many stories that we wanted for. And, you know, we had about 350 hours of footage. And inside of that, there were so many stories that we wanted to tell. But we had to fit inside of a seven-minute film. And if there was a person that we didn't meet or a type of story that we didn't see, uh, you know, we didn't include that in the film. So human trafficking, for example, although we've read a lot about how it does exist, uh, it wasn't something that we... We're personally seeing that that we had any experience with or effect on. Um, so that's kind of the way that the film ended up focusing as it did. Are there any other questions? There's a question, sorry, the lady in the back. I just wanted to say the film was wonderful and eye-opening and heartbreaking at the same time. Thank you for representing Americans in such a good light in the camp. How would you say your life has changed since you're back to first world and living your daily life, how has, the imp how has this experience impacted you? Yes, how has life changed? Since and we did get the chance to go back recently and actually see everyone. And we went back in December um, to show the film to everyone before we released it globally. So we had the chance to go back to Zathari. And, you know, this is our most nervous kind of screening of all time. But luckily they liked the film. Um, but things haven't changed very much. There are some good good things that have changed. Ralph is back in school, which we're very excited about. Um, and and actually, Gassam and, and Ismail are going to be resettled to Canada because two, a community there has raised the money to privately sponsor them and bring them to Antigonish, uh, Canada, which is very cold. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, Ismail and Gassam are both very excited about that. And it's sort of the power, we hope, of of a film like this that can inspire a community to come together and and sponsor a family and, and be a part of that kind of change. And, you know, for us, the creating the film was just the first step. And now having events like this, having individuals be inspired to 
to give and to help is, uh, is the reason we made it uh, and the kind of change we want to keep making. Um, so we definitely encourage all of you in the audience to you know, come to our website, salamneighbor.org. There, right now we have ways of volunteering, uh, of signing petitions to help children like Rauf uh, gain access to education um, and then to uh, donate uh, as well to three organizations that do amazing work on the ground um, in the camp and in the region. But above all, I think, you know, lending your voice is the most important and easiest first step uh, to really change the way that we speak about refugees, to speak about them and uh, with the dignity they deserve. And, and, um, and we can kind of continue to have this dialogue globally uh, before it's too late. Just to follow up, how have you guys changed personally from this experience? Um, so I think it was it was pretty traumatic coming back and and realizing and then now after two years seeing that things have changed so little for our neighbors. Um, but it, like Chris mentioned, guilt the only the best cure to guilt is action. And so we've really invested so much of our time and energy into creating this film and creating an impact campaign, making sure this reaches world leaders. We had one of the most amazing moments was seeing. Rauf at the World Humanitarian Summit, Global Citizen, and Salma Hayek. And Salma Hayek presented Rauf's story. We made a little video, and he handed over 250,000 petitions to the world leaders there. And in, in that summit, they raised $90 million for education for Syrian refugees. And seeing those stories being you know, used, there's our friends' stories being used to, to really push forward and, and, and invest in refugees has been huge um you know on a much more personal level i think being so appreciative of, of, of the opportunity we have to be in our own homes and you know have have rights in our own countries i think we have so much appreciation now for that are there any further questions hi um my question is not only about this film but your other film living on one dollar a day my question would be to what extent do you think your ability to do this so to go live with communities and to go live in a camp to what extent do you think that that is in large part due to the fact that you guys are male just thinking i mean i i run an ngo as well but i find that there are a lot more barriers towards females to do something like that and i was just wondering what your ideas are on that yeah, I mean, if you take the situation of, you know, the refugee camp, for example, you know, going into the when it first started, uh, one of our primary goals and actually the, the vision for the project was to have uh, to have the female perspective with us. Um, and it wasn't just going to be the two of us, um, because I think that, you know, honestly, in the camp, I think we missed very, you know, our inability to continue and tap both heart-wrenching and empowering stories from so many of the women inside of the camp just due to a lack of access. Um, but, but unfortunately, when it came down to it, uh, one, the, the Jordanian government and the UN weren't willing to allow a, you know, a young girl to actually join us and live inside of the camp, and nor were the Syrian street leaders inside of the camp. It, it, you know, culturally, it was just inappropriate to have, you know, have somebody unveiled in, the, in a tent with us um, throughout the time. So it's one of these things where kind of as we move forward into future projects, uh, we hope to integrate you know, more female directors into our project. And we've actually been lucky to, in one example, in one film we released recently, 
we released a short film on uh, on Rosa, who's actually you might remember from Living on One Dollar, is one of the main characters of that film, an incredible woman. And we actually had a female director, Hannah Gregg, who is also a co-founder of Living on One, our production company. Uh, she did the primary interview and directed the film and, and was there on the ground with us to make sure that Rosa was comfortable speaking about a lot of these issues, uh, women's issues that were very sensitive to her um, and that we were telling them in a very sensitive way for any audience. And I think that that's really important for any filmmaker or any NGO to incorporate as much as possible. And we hope we can do it more. And if you're talking about it more in a general sense, there are so many examples of incredible women filmmakers doing this kind of same, you know, work. And maybe they aren't always in front of the camera, but, you know, there's, you know, countless incredible doc filmmakers who are equally as Im embedded and, and living in more dangerous situations than, than we have. And, and so I definitely encourage you to, you know, use your voice and get involved. I do think race and gender and nationality always has a huge effect. So we have to be very aware of that, how that affects the story itself and make sure that, you know, we are honest about that and we are um, very, you know, careful of how we build that into the storyline and what role our story plays. And so that's something that we think a lot about, but I, you know, definitely encourage you to get involved. And, and our contact information is on our website. And if you have any questions, you know, and, and need advice, please reach out to us. That's something that we love to do and, and work with people as they, you know, try and tell their own stories. Thank you very much, Chris and Zach, for your time. And thank you all for joining us. We unfortunately don't have time for any more questions right now, but thank you again for joining us. And thank you to Chris and Zach for inspiring us in, in, through such an amazing medium. Uh, we really appreciate you coming and watching. Uh, take care. Thank you. You've been listening to a download from the NYRBW Institute. You'll find more information on our website, www.nyuad.nyu.edu/institute.